Welcome to Dating and Other Fucked Up Stories. I'm your host, Rachel Ash. If you enjoy this episode today, feel free to send it to a friend in need. If you're listening on Apple, take a moment to write a review. I truly appreciate all of you. You all help keep this podcast alive. If you have any questions or your own fucked up story to share, feel free to slide into my DMs at Dating Podcast. To help us grow, click on the support the show link in the description of this episode. By supporting us, you help us expand our content and upgrade the show. Get early access to episodes and exclusive perks. Subscribe now on Patreon. I fell for your magic. I tasted your skin. And though this is tragic, at least I found the end. I witnessed your madness. These are the lyrics to a song by Joji titled Run. And oh, if I knew what I knew now, I would have ran so far. And she ran. She ran so far away. She just ran. She ran all night and day. She had to get away. The Little Drummer Boy Part 2 Sometimes it takes a $50 copay for a life coach to alert you to the glaring fact that you are swimming in a pool of red flags. Sitting here by the window of a trendy coffee shop in Flagler Village, I stare out the window at the cars passing by. A Honda Civic hatchback speeds by, and I remember him. No, not the philosopher. Him. My own personal Mr. Hyde. The little drummer boy. The thought forcefully pushes me back nearly two years ago. Breathing deeply, uncomfortably, I relive it all. January 2022. A few weeks into our new exclusive relationship, things were heating up. We had just had an amazing dinner at Capitol Grill in Miami. Now, I was at Little Drummer Boy's apartment in Hollywood for dessert. The evening had gone beautifully. Who was this guy? He was killing it with his dates. You could tell by his effort that he was truly courting me. He was making tremendous effort, which was different from most of the men I had dated at the time. And it showed. I noticed. And I loved it. He was trying everything he could to impress me. Tonight, I was ready. I wanted to be intimate with him. Yet I was slightly nervous. That's always the case with a new partner. You never know what to expect but I knew he was so attentive and everything else that with this he would just take his time and really learn what I liked. We began with soft kisses. Then the kisses became more rhythmic and sensual. I wanted more. I needed him to kiss me deeper. Our kisses led us to his bedroom. Our clothes were still on, but our bodies were flaming hot. We were on his bed now. 
He was on top, pressed up against me. My dress was over my hips. I rolled my hands down the outside of his pants to pull him in closer. I could feel all of him. He was rock hard. I was aching for him to be inside of me. The only thing separating us was my soaked panties. I was ready, and so was he. Carefully, he pulled my little black dress up over my head and tossed it effortlessly across the room. I fell back onto his bed. There I lay in just my black lace bra and matching underwear. Smiling, I bit down on my lip as I playfully pulled his shirt off. Then I sat up and kissed him deeper and pulled him into my body. It was the most amazing feeling in the world to feel his skin pressed up against mine. He was on fire. We were on fire. Then I pushed him back and went for his belt. I kept my eyes fixated on his brown eyes as I slowly unbuckled him. Then I paused and violently pulled the belt off his pants and threw it to the side. Still keeping eye contact, I lowered my eyes devilishly and laughed. <laughs> then I continued by unbuttoning his pants and then unzipped him. I could see everything through his boxers, fully erect. It turned me on. I looked at him and slid my left hand into his pants, gripping firmly. Then I kissed him again, rolling both hands down his back and to the back of his pants. I slid his pants off completely. He laid back, and I pulled his pants completely off from the feet. As I went in to kiss him again, I saw it. The most horrifying thing you could possibly see right before you're going to have sex with someone. My playful smile changed to complete and utter shock. What the fuck is that? I said, pointing to his leg. Oh, it's from Dante's Inferno, he replied proudly. What? I thought to myself. It was a gruesome tattoo on his thigh of two demons fucking. One demon was bent over, and the other was having sex with the other doggy style. It was incredibly graphic. I have never seen a more disgusting tattoo in my entire life. And once seen, it's impossible to unsee. And I come from the art world. I have a bachelor's degree in fine art. I have seen some batshit crazy artwork. One being an entire installation of used tampons. This, though, was by far the most unsettling, especially before you're about to have sex with somebody for the first time. I don't remember that part in Dante's Inferno, I said sarcastically and suspiciously. Who was I in bed with? Who is this guy? And he seems so proud of his tattoo. He went on to tell me the origins of it. He went to a tattoo artist and told the artist what he wanted. The artist seemed uncomfortable about it, and at the last second, the artist even asked if he wanted to add boobs to the demon on the bottom, so it wasn't so awkward. 
he ended up agreeing to it. Not that it made it any less horrifying. What if someday your kids see this? I asked. Oh, they won't. I always wear long shorts, he replied. Yeah, but fashion changes. For instance, guys in Flagler Village are wearing shorts above the knee, and a lot of Gen Zs are, I stated. He thought about this for a second and shook it off. Well, I don't dress like that. As revolting as the tattoo was, I was willing to overlook it. There were so many positions we could enjoy without me ever having to see that tattoo. In short, it wasn't a deal breaker. But it should have been. Our relationship began so fast. I barely had a moment to think about it. I didn't even know how I truly felt about him. What was attractive to me was the fact that this man was all in. He didn't hesitate. He didn't play games. He didn't try to get me in bed after the first date. He wanted to build something together. And that's exactly what I had been dreaming of, for the chance to build a life with a man. And he gladly wanted to give me my dream. Can you blame me for falling for his love bombing? When you're in it, you never see it. When it's over, that's when you see how deep you were in. And I was in deep, not quite over my head, but in pretty deep for just a three-month relationship. Our conversations flowed. He was so attentive. He would answer immediately, no waiting hours to hear back. And after seeing the text games some people played in the dating world, it made me so thankful to have found him. This relationship made me realize how important it was for me to have a partner who was mindful of my needs. I needed a man who was present, who would listen and comfort me. And I had forgotten what it was like being in a relationship. It was nice to be in one again. A part of me felt at peace, as brief as it was. We had music in common. I would send him over a Spotify playlist and he would share his. Our taste in music was similar, except for his love of EDM, although the little drummer boy did open my world to Rez. That is the only electronic music I'll listen to. In that spring of 2022, I ended up seeing Rez live at Okeechobee Music Festival. Actually, my producer was there too. It's kind of funny. Anyway, I digress. Standing there in the crowd, I understood for the first time the appeal of electronic music. It was more of an in-person experience. Rez offered more than just music. Her music was accompanied by iconic visuals. It was a full immersion. Only a couple of months in, and he was introducing me to his parents. He was adopted when he was only three days old. He also had an adopted sister not related by blood. At the time of adoption, his mother was married to another man. They owned a flower shop together. And from what the little drummer boy told me, it sounded like his mother was in an abusive relationship. He even went on to tell me that his adopted sister was sexually assaulted by their adoptive father. This repulsed me. I was so horrified. How could anyone do such a thing to a child? 
And how could another parent turn a blind eye to what was happening in their own house? Maybe she didn't know. Regardless, the relationship did not last. They divorced. His mother left the flower shop business and went into nursing. It was there that she met her now husband, who was a radiologist at the time. They have since retired and moved here to a $2.2 million condo in Boca Raton overlooking the ocean. What happened in those early years had a lasting effect on his sister. She couldn't escape it. Drugs offered her temporary relief, but didn't erase her memory. She battled with drug addiction and tumultuous relationships. At a young age, she found herself pregnant. The little drummer boy's parents offered to help her and the child. When the child was born, though, she left, leaving her mom and dad to bring up her son as their own child. She hasn't seen her son since. That was 13 years ago, as of 2022. The little drummer boy was excited to introduce me to his parents. He was incredibly close to them. Family was important to him. He had a particularly strong bond with his mom. I love that about him. Meeting them was almost surreal because it was putting faces to the stories the little drummer boy had told me during our first few dates. I wanted to enter into that introduction as neutral as possible. That, however, didn't happen. You see, I had strong concerns about what the little drummer boy had previously told me. These were some of the things he had relayed to me early on. The mention of abuse in his early childhood. I was trying not to be judgmental of his mother, but as a mother myself, I could not understand how she could allow her daughter to be sexually abused by her former husband. I had a problem with that, and to especially not bring criminal charges against him. I wasn't there. I have never been in this situation, and I hope to never. But her behavior to turn a blind eye to the disconcerting truth concerned me. It was an insight into what to expect from her as a potential mother-in-law. His parents adopted his sister's child. So he was the little drummer boy's adopted brother. When his brother was a couple of years old, the family realized he had an extreme form of autism. His brother would never be able to function in life without being under constant care. Here's another one. The radiologist had three biological children from a previous marriage. They all were strongly against their father adopting the child 13 years ago. When their father adopted the child, despite their concerns, they all stopped speaking to their father. Why? Because the retired radiologist was in his 80s. So when he passed away, someone would need to care for their child. That's not a responsibility that any of the other children wanted to take on. They had families of their own. His relationship with his children became estranged overnight. According to the little drummer boy, he has since written all of his biological children out of his will. That brings me to the will. The little drummer boy told me that his father had recently sat him down and told him that he planned to leave everything to him, given that his wife, his mother, was no longer alive. Keep in mind, the little drummer boy is not his biological son. He is adopted. 
This means all three biological children would come knocking when their father died. My ex-husband is an attorney and my mother is a paralegal. I'm very aware of the legal world. I have heard many stories. When his children learn of the new will, they will certainly bring lawyers to contest it. And they are all affluent members of society. Ultimately, the will will be upheld, but it will cost a ton of money in legal bills to fight all three descendants. This is what I immediately thought about, and it's something I had to think about if I was going to bond myself to this man. The will situation is common. It can happen in any family. What got me concerned was the terms the radiologist set forth in the will. The little drummer boy would inherit a certain amount of the multi-million dollar fortune depending on his involvement in the care of his autistic brother. One, he would get full inheritance if he had his brother living with him. He would get a portion of it if he had him in a special needs home. And he would get absolutely nothing if he chose not to be his brother's caregiver. Now, I understand these preparations are important in order to provide for his family. When the little drummer boy told me about this, though, it felt like complete manipulation by his father. His father was using money in order to control him into doing what he wanted. He was asking the little drummer boy to trade his life and freedom for money. It seemed wrong. This was not something my family would ever do. His approach should have been with love, not money. We were only a few months into our relationship. I didn't know how comfortable I was about the situation. I didn't want his brother to be living with us in our home with our kids our entire lives. That thought scared me. I didn't want someone dictating what my future was going to be. It sounded like a fancy cage, and I had just gotten out of a cage two years prior. I wasn't about to walk into another one. You can see why I was apprehensive about walking into an introduction with his parents. We arrived at his parents' condo in Boca. They had converted two condos into one massive condo years earlier. The view of the ocean was breathtaking. Inside the condo, though, it was a bit cluttered. Not at all what I expected from a family of this caliber. His mother was the quintessential Jewish mother. She was all kinds of anxious and high-strung. It reminded me of my ex-husband's family. His father was so thin and skeletal-looking. Physically, he did not seem to be in good health. But I wasn't sure. His brother, 13 years old, was wearing a helmet and was communicating through an iPad. He couldn't speak at all. The little drummer boy had told me about his autistic brother, but being there in that room made it real. His brother needed constant care. He was helpless, like a baby. He couldn't do anything on his own, and he was 13 years old. I felt bad for him. I felt even worse for his parents because here they were at a time of their lives where they were supposed to be enjoying retirement, the golden age of their lives. They worked so hard their entire lives and now their entire life was taking care of a child. They couldn't even go out to dinner. 
Through the years, that must have taken a toll on their relationship. We were waiting for lunch to finish cooking when his father began to tell me about his autistic son's ability. He told me he had a rare gift, like a sixth sense. But he couldn't see dead people. That's not what it was. The radiologist looked at me dead in the eye and told me his son could channel his thoughts, that he could hear and see what he saw, that the son could channel his father's mind. I paused, said nothing. Then I looked at the little drummer boy. He just looked at me blankly. I thought it was a joke, that they were all messing with the new girl. But no one laughed. Wait, what? I asked, glancing around at all of them. I was searching for weakness, for someone's facial gestures to give away the joke they were playing on me. But they were all serious. Here, take a card. His father spread out a deck of cards in front of me. Oh, of course, here comes the magic trick, I thought to myself. So I went along with it. I pulled a queen of hearts out. Write the card down on a piece of paper and hand it to me, his father requested. I did as I was told and handed him the folded piece of paper. He looked at it. Then he asked his son what card it was. His son typed on his iPad and then pushed play. Queen of hearts, the iPad spoke for him. Wow, that's a great magic trick. You'll have to show me how you did that, I said clapping. It's not a magic trick his father explained. He can somehow see what I see. Write down any number, his father requested. My eyes were wide. I looked over at Little Drummer Boy, and he said nothing. I wrote down 11687383 and then handed it to his father. He looked at it and then asked his son what the number was. He typed it into his iPad. One, one, six, eight, seven, three, eight, three. The computer read out loud. I searched all around for mirrors and cameras and signs of communication between the father and son, but found nothing. Not only that, but it was so fast that it really did seem like his brother was seeing the paper himself somehow. I can't explain it. Oh my God. How? I asked, stunned. I've been researching it, and there is one other person in the world who can do something similar. I'm not sure how he is able to do it, but he can see what I see, his father replied. His father went on to explain the science behind it all. The little drummer boy and him began discussing how they could utilize his ability in a business sense. A few minutes into the discussion, his brother started to become angry and frustrated, and his mother ran quickly over to him to soothe him. I think he knew what they were talking about. I found it all fascinating. This boy was special. He had developed a special capability, like how some blind people develop acute hearing capabilities. He had somehow developed this ability to channel another person. I know it sounds far-fetched. You're probably saying, oh, this, this sounds absolutely crazy. But seeing is believing. And that day I saw something I cannot explain. If that is possible, 
then many of the things we dismiss as fiction could actually be real. Dimensions. Ghosts. Demons. Aliens. What if this was a sixth sense? What if his capability is a genetic mutation? What if this is the evolution of the human species? What if we gradually acquired the ability to read the thoughts of others without physically speaking a single word? What if? There you have it. Until next story, this is Rachel Ash signing off. (laughs) 